This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of dawn to the lands of always winter and what is west of Westeros in the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Knapsack, and this is Alden Diaz. Hey, Alden, how are you? Hello. How you doing? I'm doing great, and we are here to talk Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, Winds of Winter, George R.R. R. Martin, Orcs, Rings of Power, posters, merch, so many things, Alden. Uh, thanks for coming back to the show. When you listed all those things, it just made me so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I mean, for for a thing to end, mm-hmm. um, and the books, you know, a- ending ending TBD, yeah, uh, and then have this much going on, it's crazy. It's it's fun. It's exciting. I was just looking at a at a calendar to plan some uh, Star Wars content over in Force Center with Joseph and Jennifer, and we're, I, I was looking at that August twenty first date. It's it's so exciting, but it's on the hill. It is almost mm-hmm. like Gandalf on uh, dawn on the fifth day. It's just mm-hmm. up there, but it's intimidating. It's going to be a lot of fun to break it down along with Rings of Power. Uh, but we're getting close to all of that, and you can feel it in the air, you know? Yeah, I think if I have my math and dates correct, there's going to be a sweet spot in September where there is Lord of the Rings, House of the Dragon, and two Star Wars shows airing at the same time. <laughs> Maybe that, you know, that's going to happen at least one or two weeks. Yeah, maybe within the span of a couple days, right? Uh, Fridays, Saturdays, yeah. Wednesdays. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be a lot. But, <laughs> hey, it's a great time to be a nerd, and we are here. We've had a lot of fun on the channel just talking about news lately. There's been a lot of things to talk about, which is are having fun breaking it down. Alden is just uh, one of the best to come uh, breaking things down on the fly and diving on into it. I do want to let people know the Game of Thrones rewatch. Don't forget. I haven't forgotten about it. Don't you forget about it. Uh, I am actually, as of this morning, was uh, watching uh, season four, episode seven, Mockingbird, getting ready to cover that as we uh, mm. race towards some giant episodes in season four of Game of Thrones and having a lot of fun with uh, that Mockingbird episode, which includes, uh, you know, we've got uh, the Melisandre in the bathtub scene, which is awkward and weird, but also contains the core of the episode, truths and lies and the power uh, mm-hmm. behind all that. So fascinating episode. So can't wait to break that down. And we'll get you back on, Alden. We'll get out, have you get out your spiral notebook of theme notes and, and, and talk about it. Soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, instead of just texting them to you yeah. uh, in yes. long paragraphs Wednesday Wednesday mornings about other things. Yeah, uh, yeah we'll bring them onto the show. I, I think season four is possibly my favorite still. Mm. Um, years yeah. later, I think it's so strong. It has a lot of its taste. A lot of it is who, what characters you love and, and what aspects are your favorites. But um, like if your if your favorite characters are n- include Ned Stark, you know, you, it's one season for you, really. But really um, 
It's interesting. Yeah. To look back on all that stuff. Now. Yeah. And, and look, you and I, you and I, we are of the type, we're of the ilk that has rewatched Game of Thrones several times over, start to finish many, many times. But having this rewatch and going through it slowly and slower, slower than I anticipated here on the podcast, other things kind of got in front of it. But uh, man, it's really changing my views on certain seasons that I thought I had from afar where I don't know, hmm. season three doesn't, it's not my favorite as much as I thought when I first saw it. Now I'm like, ooh, that's a big thematic core of the show. And then season four, I'm like, it's remembered for some big things, but nah, once you take a look at it beat by beat, theme by theme, they all are pretty darn powerful. Oh, yeah. I, I remember completing the show for the first time or completing what we had of it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Because I, I, when I joined in, I was able to binge one through three. Gotcha. Um, I was late to that party by a good couple of years there. And so mm-hmm. I remember saying, ah, oh, this is so good. It's one of my favorite things. I can't wait for more, but all the stuff and like those, I would say like those random cities, Karth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like whatever that was, yeah. like did that matter? And then uh, upon a rewatch and especially with the whole picture, looking back at, at those characters that pop in for an arc and then leave and all that stuff. And people like the, uh, was it the spice trader? What is his? Yeah. What is his actual title? I think, uh, I think he's a trader of spices. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm just a humble trader of spices. I look back at that scene and I'm like, so much is happening here. So much. Um, so and, much. and the way that she handles yeah. Tarth and before leaving, like, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. uh, it informs everything up until the the very last episode. It really does. Yeah, I'm, well, I was just this morning uh, about halfway through the episode. You have to break up the rewatch as I, as I get through life, and you got the the one of my most painful scenes is a Jora fan, Dario coming down the stairs the morning after with Danny. God <laughs> and God bless him and God bless her getting uh, getting and doing and experiencing what she wants. So uh, no problem mm-hmm. there. But uh, my man Jora uh, being so just, but then also that's one of her great moments of trust in him and him as an advisor. So wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff. The rewatch will continue. I just wanted to highlight that there. Thank you for all who are uh, have, uh, allowing me to take my time to get through it there as well. But we do have some news to get to. The first one, uh, Alden, actually, it, it's like the week started quiet. The week started quiet. Now, we're fit, last week, let's be clear, the, the big news you and I were talking about with the hmm. Jon Snow sequel show. That was uh, the main th- reason we were talking about news last week, and we have a, the big follow-up to that. So I don't want to bury the lead, but we're coming out of that kind of exciting wow but that's kind of weird is it even real kind of news and then along the way we get this cool poster and i'm putting up here on the youtube channel but for those listening you have uh Rhaenyra standing there uh it is uh the uh, the throne i'm looking at it now I, I had to shrink it down to format it and my eyes are failing me <laughs> uh but we got uh Syrax there big dragon be behind her of course and you know it's a house of the dragon so it make this poster just makes a lot of sense to me all yeah, it's very simple. It's it's obviously it's a digital asset dragon actress photo shoot. Like, wait a second, are you telling me? I I'm telling you that dragons aren't real. Okay. Nor is that a giant practical like rainforest cafe creature. <laughs> uh, but it it it's so it's like you could say like oh you know, boring whatever. I've seen some talk of like oh it's just dragon head like. Yeah, it's no Drew Struzan poster, but I will, but what's powerful here mm-hmm. and intelligent for them to do, I think, and, and just good marketing, is that you're taking the the melted swords iconography, mm-hmm. a dragon, and you're putting you know a young woman with this signature family hair, with this right. this regal dress, all together, and it just immediately, I think, speaks to all levels of fan and and everybody that appreciated. Uh, Daenerys Targaryen. Um, it, it it conveys all of that, especially as we got toward the end. 
and her her babies were fully grown and, and yeah. scenes like her and John bonding with Drogon and John getting really close to, to, to the dragon heads, you know, being able to pet them. Like it just yeah. feels like a natural extension. It, it absolutely does. And if you're looking for just basic themes behind it, of course, it's pretty simple. You got the, you know, a, a queen to be, so to speak. Uh, this is the, the younger version of Renera right here. And then, uh, you know, the dragons behind it. And the big selling point of the show has been this whole line of, you know, uh, uh, of, uh, you know, names don't, didn't make us Kings. Uh, dragons did. Uh, mm-hmm. I might be messing up the dreams. Dreams didn't make us kings. You got to get your catchphrases right, Alden. Dreams didn't make us kings. <laughs> uh, dragons did. Uh, we're talk. We're going to talk about merch a little bit later in the show here. But this is. Uh, I love it. I love when it's just kind of all simple and direct. There's dragons, yeah. and dragons are the power here, right? Including it's the- very direct, and and seeing the you know we know um, what melted those swords, and or if you don't know, and this is your first time, you can infer based on yeah. this. So it's it's a little bit of following up on on story threads and mythology for for those that know but it's also a really really good introductory piece which is a challenge of franchise media right now right like yeah you could we just finished obi-wan kenobi and light spoilers for that there's a vader confrontation surprise (laughs) um and there's been some talk like is this too in line with what we saw before and i could see that with with this character is this just another daenerys and it's like well Entry points need to be universal in that way. Yep. Uh, at cer- certain in certain elements. To me, this is powerful imagery of of what could be and what was, and and the intersection of that. And and we're gonna hopefully hopefully people will just give the show a chance to do what it wants to do, uh, mm-hmm. because George R. R. Martin has written the, this part of his own history and and told it and mm-hmm. done what he's wanted to do in that, and now he's a part of this story. So yeah, but I agree with you, and, and, and we I think I know we talk about it every week because it's the big question because it's still a question uh, that is is uh, raised in conversations I have with friends off air. Some people are just like, no, no, not again. I don't want to get burned. And other people are like, oh, I'm willing to get a chance. And there's people like me and you who are just never in doubt. Sure, more, 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 more. We're going to talk about more, 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 more today. Um, mm-hmm. And you just got to find that balance. And, and uh, it all comes down to this poster here right now. More to come, more to come. But a big dragon and a blonde-haired queen. That's the image. That's the image. Yeah, and it also is just the, the erasure of any ambiguity of how much dragon are we actually going to see? Is is it just called House of the Dragon because they're Targaryens and we'll yeah. only see them flying in the distance? It's like, nope, here it is, star of the show as well. So if that's what you're into, yeah. here you go. Yep, and we got about 17 new dragon names to commit to memory. We're going to we're gonna take you through those dragons one by one here eventually on, uh, on uh, Castle Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and none of them have cute uh, name associations to make it easier. <laughs> At least, not that I am aware of. Because with Danny's dragons, it's like, oh, Rhaegal, like, like yeah. Rhaegar, like you, you were able to yep. do that. Drogon, like Drogo, like, nope, yep. not this time. Yep. Uh, yeah, and, and still, every once in a while, because I've never had to compete in Game of Thrones trivia questions. Every once in a while, I'm like, uh, uh, Doug, Dugon, Doug, Doug, Dra- Dragon. It's Dra- oh, Drogon. That's right. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm someone who soaks up this stuff weekly still uh the this series uh is uh, full of uh, a lot of complicated names and that's always that's been something that's been since season one since i've had friends going i can't remember all the names uh so we now have 17 new ones to learn there there we go yeah it's no star trek and i just binge strange new worlds yeah. who's the main character chris <laughs> way easier <laughs> way easier way easier dude speaking of uh 
Well, well, way easier. Uh, it is way easier to get information directly from George R. R. Martin these days. He is on fire again on his uh, georgerrmartin.com slash not a blog where he can talk about the Jets and the Mets and the Giants and also a lot of other things. So he he dropped some some interesting stuff. Now, actually, let let's drop back a little bit, Alden. Uh, you know, let let's uh, call an audible here. Uh, the, we had the Jon Snow news last week, which was this mm-hmm. pitched, planned, in-development uh, show about Jon Snow and the story going forward after season eight. Great. Cool. Mm-hmm. You and I had an hour-long conversation about it. But again, like I said, we can play that game. Hey, it's in-development. It might not happen. And we're gonna. that's still going to be part of the conversation today. But to me, it was almost like, is this a dream? Is this really happening? And this after that poster, the next bit of news this week was Amelia Clark saying, yeah, he's told me about it. I know it exists. It's happening. That's a quote from her <laughs> to the BBC, and that got out online. Um, realizing she might have said too much, and I'm reading here from the New York Post to credit them. Realizing she might have said too much, she continued, it's been great, by, created by Kit, as far as I can understand, so he's in it from the ground up. So what you will be watching, hopefully if it happens, is certified by Kit Arrington, which I love that line that, well, I might have said too much, so let me say more. And then it's, I'm in it now. You're, you're in, in the great game now. You might keep talking. You're, Amelia. In, the, you're in the great game now. Um, uh, the post, uh, the post, uh, out there. This is representative for comment. Uh, she ends this little interview by saying, uh, being asked, of course, uh, will Daenerys appear in the show at all? Which you and I have uh, talked uh, off air and on last week about how there's a way something like that could work. Uh, she yeah. says, no, I think I'm done. She replied laughing, which, you know, Take, uh, you know, that's, that's, that those words are, words are wind. Words are wind. That's all mm-hmm. I'll say there on that. So that started it. Then we're going to get into George R. R. Martin's blog. But actually, I do want to start there, Alden, because that's how I first started to hear it. That almost even added more to the dreamlike quality of this story. Yeah. First of all, I would like to give a shout out to whoever, whichever executives or PR people heard about this and then had to scramble and then they realized we don't control her anymore. Yeah. We don't, we don't have, Amelia is not under NDA. There's nothing we can do. Uh, it's great. She's <laughs> Daenerys is, is gone guys. Sorry. Yeah. She could talk. Um, yeah. An NDA in, cannot kill fire. So I'm sure Kit got a call. Hey, uh, can you stop talking to the family? Thank you. Um, it was no, but I, I agree. Yeah. It definitely, Mm. It picked up. I mean, we're here a week later, right? Yeah. There's a week between last Casterly talk and this one, and it has picked up so much steam. To to have this immediately adds to the surrealness of it because this is the co lead of the entire thing, yeah. commenting on something that nobody thought would happen, and not just not just commenting saying, "Oh, um, something typical like I'd love to see more kid. He's great." Yeah. Um, nothing like that. I th- no. I think Kit yeah. cr- created this. I think at that point. <laughs> George R. R. Martin's probably having a conversation with somebody saying, can I get in front of this? Uh, Would you like me to? Uh, It definitely is interesting. Which leads us to his blog post that uh, came out uh, on June 23rd at 1.59 p.m. He didn't even wait till 2. He just got right to it. Uh, Put it Mm -hmm. out there. Now, there's a lot in this uh, thing we're going to dig into, but I want to go to the end here. This is because at the top of the article, he praises uh, James Hibbard as an actual journalist, uh, which he is. He's the one who wrote the book Fire Cannot Kill Dragon, a, 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 a Dragon. I highly recommend you all check that book out. It's great. Um, so uh, we can talk about that if we want a little bit of, of, of George heaping the praise on an actual j- journalist who protects his sources 
finds sources, has sources, confirms, gets quotes, respects off the record stuff, everything. But then um, mm. George, at the end of this, goes into a wonderful, a wonderful little diatribe uh, at clickbait websites and even podcasts. George R. Martin's not listening to us here, but I yeah, I understand where he's coming from. Uh, we are talking about news stories and digging in. Uh, sure, and we're always going to do that. That's a, it, It's an industry. It's an ecosystem now. But George mm-hmm. being upset at those click, clickbait uh, websites um, that uh, love, uh, love spinning words out of control. Of course, no, no surprises there. Especially this idea of pitting uh, House of the Dragon versus Rings of Power. George being such a fantasy fan, being a Tolkien fan, being a Lord of the Rings fan uh, himself. Wanting, he, he disputes that right away. Um, saying somehow three quarters of the cl- clickbait sites out there uh, are ignoring the entire thrust of my comments, twisting my words on their head into headlines about how much I want to beat the Tolkien show. Sigh, he says. Mm-hmm. Let me clarify. I'm a competitive. Uh, I have a competitive nature. Sure, goes in to talk about the uh, his Jets or the Giants or the Mets. Also talking about awards he's won and more more awards that he's lost. Um, and he's a fantasy fan, so yes, he wants uh, rings of power. To be great, and he wants it to run for many years, win Emmys and Golden Globes. He wants the same for House of the Dragon. He wants the same for Dying Earth. He wants uh, the same for Nine Princes and Amber, as it's uh, hopefully going to be faithfully adapted. He goes into all that stuff there. So, yeah, we we here at Cashly Talk never want to be part of that clickbait kind of thing, even though you do have to get people in the show. I just really liked his comments, both about Hibbert and here. Before we even dive into taking his words, mm. we're, we're going to try to stick to the words and then have fun speculating, not to Twisting the words here. Uh, thoughts uh, on all this here from uh, the man himself. Yeah, I mean, uh, my first thought, real quick, for those of you listening, uh, there's a thunderstorm happening here, <laughs> and uh, the the I, you guys see the Florida would be Dorn. I don't know. Yes. Um, yes. So Bulldog not happy about that. But uh, anyway, <laughs> that's fair. It is right now. Um, but yeah, I think that first thing I noticed about George in this talking about both victories and failures is I like that George. Um, addresses his own fallibility throughout this talks about the amount of things that haven't gone to series talks about things he hasn't won um you know in his sports fandom you know that's an inherent part of it uh is there is no in between it is wins and losses and so i i I do like that he led with that sort of stuff and i think that he's smart enough to understand the ecosystem that you're discussing and how this has become a job and how entertainment reporting is that's why he gives Hibbert is credit, but he's making a distinction that's based in professionalism. That's based in respect. Um, You know, uh, you and I have both have very strong feelings about like undermining story, Mm -hmm. undermining artists and the leaking of information and the spinning of it are both forms of that. Um, So when he, like when he says something about Aragorn's tax policies, as he famously did, like that's fun. Mm -hmm. But I, but to say that it's a shot at J.R. Tolkien or at the Tolkien estate or anything like yeah. that, which I'm not saying anyone has, but yeah, yeah. extrapolating yeah. in that way mm. is such bad faith. And and yeah. that's a fight that we are constantly having with the space that we're a part of. Yeah. And so for him to be out, you know, on his level, to be someone of his stature addressing yeah. this directly on the record and the written word um, is great because we've seen people like John Favreau, like kind of in a cheeky way, discuss it or like have yeah. to say like, please put your phones away. Please understand that this is a work in progress. And that's, you know, sort of simple. It's on stage, whatever. But I, I love this attitude and yeah. I would love to see more of it, whether it's from him or James Mangold shutting people down and saying, let me make <laughs> my movie on Twitter. Like, yeah. I yeah. think that there's a battle for the discussion of art happening. Yeah. And yeah. And, 
So no, no, and it, look, at times it can be a fine line, and I have no problem going up to that line. Uh, a good rumor can inspire uh, thoughts and speculations and just wants and, mm-hmm. and desires as a fan, and, and I have no problem diving into those. We did last week with Jon Snow, which was nothing at, at the time more than a kind of a, a rumor-like report, um, and it, it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, it, it, there's some, yeah, I'm not a giant fan of, of scoop culture either. I'm not completely against it as a profession per se, but, but it's just, it's, it's oddly, I don't know. It's been almost, uh, I don't want to say weaponized, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's just become a bigger thing than it ever used to be that is used. I think that's where the weaponized part comes in my mind where the scoops, are used even against the properties as they're being created. They're used against the creators or they're used to establish expectations that uh, the creators aren't even trying to reach because they're trying to tell their own story. I think that's where I have the issue with it here. Um, not the speculation, yeah. not the fun. And because uh, we're going to do it here and we have to own up to that too. Last week was a, a rumor of a rumor, mm-hmm. uh, a, a highly mm-hmm. substantiated because it comes from James Hibbert. And that is actually one of the things I'm glad George mentioned because when it comes from uh, – a Hollywood reporter or a variety or a star Wars.com finally confirms it. That's when the, it, it becomes more than just a, a, a scoop. It becomes something that we can discuss mm-hmm. because um, there's a possibility of it all really happening. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, you're in conversation with the work and you're in conversation with the creators when you take it on their terms. I mean, being, if you, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember way back in middle school, back in middle school, middle school, um, that was the first time a major leak ever happened, at least in my lifetime uh, or in my conscious lifetime. I know yeah. that there were yeah. Phantom Menace leaks and stuff, but I wasn't on the internet at the time. Um, when X-Men Origins Wolverine, the work print leaked and there were no special effects finished and me and all my friends watched it. Yeah, We were kids, so it's like nothing malicious, but that wasn't fair. Uh, the, <laughs> I don't, still don't like the movie, but it should have been, it sh- I should have been able to dislike it yeah. on its completed terms. And I think that that's a conversation with the art. Yeah. Um, to what you said, like coming up against the line and talking about rumors, rumors are fun. You yeah. and I will text each other. Yeah. Our other friends will text us that that's in the spirit of, um, on the playground with your friends and saying like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool if such and such did this? Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, I had thoughts game at their own ends. I'm watching John right away. And I'm looking at my friends and saying, what do you think you did? Like yeah. I, that. So that part of your brain touches the rumors and I understand why it's exciting. But it's the monetization. And when he says clickbait, that's a cottage industry. Yeah. That is money. Yeah. Um, and, and you are monetizing stuff that you don't have a right to. It's not literal theft, but we're getting to the point where, uh, I, I mean, IP theft is a thing, so I guess it is literal theft. But you're, we're getting to the point where it's like ideological petty theft, where at that <laughs> point it's like, I, I, do you even have... The right yeah. to discuss my thing. You don't. You wouldn't kick down the door to a painter studio yeah, yeah. and say, "Ha ha, half of that's blank." Like, yeah. <laughs> what? It's a painting. Yeah, and, and and look, we'll get to the fun stuff here. Yeah. So my final thought on it is, yeah, if you're you're in the line of work, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, I'm, it, it's it's not even them half the time that are that are making it more of a problem. It's it's what we do with the information. So we always want to be careful with what we do with the information here. And George R. Martin does too, which is why, after praising James Hibbert as an actual reporter and saying later on, look, I spoke to him but didn't confirm anything. So, hey, this leaked. <laughs> he says this. And I want to try to read as much as he says here, Alden, if you don't mind, Please because do. it's George's words. And we want to deal with what his actual words are. He writes, so 
Yes, there is a Jon Snow show in development. The Hollywood Reporter story was largely correct, and I would expect no less from James Hibbert. I've dealt with a lot of reporters over the past few years, and Hibbert is one of the very best, an actual journalist who does all the things journalists are supposed to do, getting the facts right, talking to sources, respecting requests for background only and off the record, etc., etc., uh, that most of the clickbait sites never bother with. Our working title for the show is... Snow, again, just a working title, I'll add. There are four live-action successor, successor shows in development at HBO. Word got out of about three of them some time ago, which we've been dealing with these you know, rumors and ideas and stories hanging over us. 10,000 ships, he goes on to add. The Nymeria Show, helmed by Amanda, Amanda Siegel. Sea Snake, a.k.a. Nine Voyages with Bruno Heller. And the Duncan Egg Show, The Hedge Knight, or Night of the Seven Kingdoms with Steve Conrad writing. I think some of these were officially announced. In other cases, news leaked out. And he adds in parentheses, these things always seem to leak. There are so many people involved, writers, producers, agents, and everyone has assistants, and there's always the guy who runs the Xerox machine, and reporters have sources, and people gossip. So, Snow has been in development almost as long as the other three, and I think, Alden, I'll stop, that's, we're gonna come back to that, that's kind mm-hmm. of just exciting in its own way, uh, and he <laughs> adds, uh, but for whatever, whatever reason, it was never announced and never linked, never leaked until now, but yes, it is true. This was not an official announcement for HBO from HBO, so it seems there was another leak. I did a long interview with James Hibbard last week for the big uh, House of the Dragon story that Hollywood Reporter is planning. Ooh, can't wait for that. Uh, and at the end of the call, he asked a few questions about the spinoffs. Is it possible one of the spinoffs is a sequel rather than a prequel, he asked. I answered, no comment. Then he asked, is it possible a member of the original <laughs> cast is attached? And again, I answered, no comment. And that was all. But plainly, he found someone more forthcoming than me. Who? I don't know. And I suspect I never will. A good journalist protects his, protects his sources. I love that from George. Like, it's the game. Um, not much more I can tell you. Not until HBO gives me a green light. And then this fun part. It seems as though Amelia Clark has already mentioned that Snow was Kit's idea in a recent interview. <laughs> so that part is out. Yes. It was Kit Harrington who brought the idea to us. I cannot tell you the names of the writers, showrunners, uh, since that has not been cleared for release yet. But Kit brought them into his own team, and they were terrific. Uh, he goes to talk about some various rumors, but he adds, um, but this is about the Hedge Knights, Sea Snake, and all the animated shows. It says, Kit's team have visited me here in Santa Fe. Ooh, that famous Santa Fe visit to George. I love those stories. Uh, Kit's team has visited me here in Santa Fe, worked with me and my own team of brilliant, talented writer consultants to hammer out the show. So it goes on to talk about uh, it's still in script phase. Outline and treatments have been written and approved. Scripts have been written. Notes have been given. Second and third drafts have been written. So, so far, that's all. Uh, this is the way television works. Please note, nothing has been greenlit yet, and there's no guarantee when or if it will be on any of these shows. The likelihood of all four series get on air, well, I'd love it, but that's not the way it works usually. So... There you go. Then he goes on to some of the other stuff uh, that, uh, you know, might be there. So, um, Alden, that's a lot. And you were the one. I had not seen this blog post yet. And you texted me and said, oh, this is juicy. This is juicy. So I kick it yeah. back to you. When you first read this, what are the things that jumped out to you first? What do you want to talk about? Uh, I, first of all, the whole spirit with James Hibbard and George of like real recognizes real where like he doesn't seem bothered by the fact that James tried to get it out of him. No. He's, he thinks, I think he finds that humorous and, yeah. and he respects the game, like you said, and he oh, understands yeah. it. 
So that level I found enjoyment and I found enjoyment of him acknowledging Amelia because I didn't know about that yet. Yeah. So that's funny because you know that there's a friendship there or, or at the very least a long standing relationship. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of like band get back together spirit in here, <laughs> knowing that Kit was in like just seeing all these names like yeah. George R. R. Martin, Kit, Amelia Clark, all these people talking. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gave me sort of those warm fuzzies. Uh, a nostalgia for a thing that isn't even that old. Right. Um, and on the book perspective, nostalgia for a thing that's not over. Uh, and so you move it o- over then into the the, yeah. the present day movement of uh, yeah. Kit's been to the house with his team, his team, which is like Hollywood speak for probably manager, agent, et cetera. But he says that he brought these writers and showrunners into his team. So Kit's bringing the creative force with him yeah. saying, and I know who I'd like to do this, presumably not to put mm-hmm. words in his mouth. Yeah, that's exciting. But the amount of development time that they've had, uh, we've yeah. been working on this the whole time is very interesting. Because last week we talked about, well, what is Jon Snow in development even mean? Does that mean that yep. we went to the art department and said, could you, you know, kick yeah. some stuff around, blue sky, yeah, see, be, see what yeah. that feels like? Or is it this? And it's yeah. this. Yeah. Um, now, I, I know the working title is Snow. George, I know you like Casually Talk. You're, you have a secret account. Uh, I will propose, we said, is this going to be the book of Jon Snow, like Book of Boba yeah, Fett? Yeah. Book of Boba Fett has really nice alliteration. Yeah. So I propose the scroll of Snow. <laughs> the scroll of Snow. Someone like me who has a slight impediment of some sort going on, that's going to be tough for me, but I'm game. I'm game. The scroll, the scroll of, snow. of Snow. The scroll that's of Snow. That's what I'm calling it in my mind until they hit me with a much better title. Um, <laughs> my only last thought on that, yeah. Uh, we don't want to speculate, I think, too much about showrunners, writers, because that's like there's a million of them, and it's like yeah. who knows where it could go. But just looking at Kit's filmography, people that he might have really jived with Chloe Zhao, director of Eternals, he's a key mm-hmm. character in that. She's yeah. so naturalistic, so mm-hmm. based in mm-hmm. sweeping stories, natural light, getting yeah. out into nature, not green screening or anything. Bring those writers in. That's uh, Chloe Zhao herself, Patrick Berlay, mm. Ryan and Kaz Furpo. Mm. Um, again, this is pure speculation just based off of a recent collaboration. But yeah, that's the only name that I've come up with in my mind where I'm like, gives me the tingles. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I get you. And, and, you know, I'm looking up too. It, 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 this, so this is, um, uh, this is, uh, um, it's fascinating because, yeah, based on the conversation last week, which was uh, we had just so little bit of information uh, to go on, which, again, is fun. That's why we're here, speculate. But, yeah, there was a little bit of that, like, this just happened last week type of vibe, which you know, even then we probably knew that wasn't the case. But, like, hey, this month, this year, something about that. Like, hey, since this mm-hmm. ended, I've had time to think about it. But this clearly indicates that kid, who I do believe, I remember he, like a lot of uh, – Actors uh, who um, reach a certain uh, level of success, a form of production company, take charge of their own stories and their own career to uh, um, you know an even higher level. He was behind uh, the show Gunpowder, right? That was something that came from mm. his uh, production yeah. company there too. So we can look that up a little bit more and get more information on on who he might have uh, you know worked with there and 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 kind of any clues uh, we can read the tea leaves there. But I, I just, I know it. It just, I got it. Just made me giddy to know that. Oh, this has been. This wasn't like 
damn it, you know, a lot of people I know don't love the Eternals. Uh, uh, and, oh, man, the kids feel having cold feet of this post-GOT world and uh, mm-hmm. these projects, and it's a comment on his career. There's a, it's a lot of cynicism, some just jokes, and sure, I, every once in a while you might want to go for a joke. I, I can respect that as a comedian, I guess, but I just like that he. this was in his brain as he's living, breathing, dying with the character. Uh, of what's next, and that's exciting to me. I don't know why that makes you just giddy, giddy like a schoolboy, as they'd say in Indiana Jones. But it, it, it's it's the, my favorite part of the story is that this was already here, that this has been in development for a bit. Yeah, my favorite part as well, mixed with the fact that you know you talked about actors that get to that certain stature, and I think we mentioned it last week too. That is a growing thing. Scarlett Johansson becomes a Black Widow producer. Hemsworth mm-hmm. produced Love and Thunder. Um, both uh, Diego Luna and Ewan McGregor are producers of their Star Wars shows. But the key difference between all four of those and this mm. is that none of them pitched those. You right. be- they became executives in the process, in the negotiation process. They call Ewan and say, well, you do Obi-Wan Kenobi again. And then in that growth development, he becomes executive producer. Right. For an actor to say, here's my team and this is my idea is so unique. Um, especially on this franchise level. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, wow, like is Kit gonna, and this is all speculation, but is Kit gonna, gonna break in his directing shoes? And <laughs> is he gonna actually, you know, is are we gonna have George R. R. Martin and Jon Snow sitting together writing a Jon Snow script? Like yeah. it's, it's very interesting to think about the world that we're in. And I'm happy for him because yeah. like I said on the last episode, he seemed so emotionally affected by that ending. And screw it like some people's solution is to get away from it and some people's solution is to have a healthy relationship with it sort of like the harry potter cast does but if he's like i want to do this then i'm all for that no cynicism required no none none needed here too and uh and you know i i hope to God, that one day, uh, maybe Clark goes, by the way, me and my people have gone to Lucasfilm and Kira, Kira, <laughs> Kira, the series is happening. Uh, I would love that as well. Thinking of just that kind of stuff. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's, there's a real ownership, uh, as, as is often the case with, with actors who, you know, embody these roles, own these roles, uh, in, in a way they don't own them, uh, like, you know, people think uh you know hamill owns luke skywalker even he'll tell you i just rent the they just rent me for the the, the role and i rent the role during that time mm-hmm. but you know what i mean this 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 is this is something he lived with um affected his life caused him to grow we we see all the young actors on that show um and i think generally even some of the the comments that um that macy's had lately about but what mean Arya did to her both good and bad what her thoughts on the character none of that I, I took as negative or negative to the experience just something that she did while she was very young grew up with and, and has moved on to other things for right now and again I, I i absolutely hope you could involve her sailing the high seas at some point in this show or her own um that day could come but it just seems like kit was in a different pot, a different uh, spot and you know why wouldn't you wonder and if you have any kind of ability to, to help tell that story um, I'm glad he's there. It's exciting. It's exciting. And also, yeah, from his perspective as an actor, if he has this inkling, you got to wonder if he looks at all of the legacy sequels, as they're often called, whether that's mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick or Ghostbusters Afterlife, the sequel trilogy, what have you. Um, and he sees all of these fantastic actors from Harrison to Bill Murray, whoever, and sees them gray haired and old and says, why do I have to wait for that? Yeah. Like maybe 
maybe that's part of it too. Like, why do I have to be a nostalgia act if I can do it now? Which is not to reduce any of those guys to nostalgia acts. No, but. no, but it's it different. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's something about uh, Harrison coming back to a lot of his roles, right? It, it uh, including the big ones, and you know, Indiana Jones Four was part of that, and 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 some, you know, would yeah. argue that didn't necessarily work out. But he he he, he seemed to enter a different phase of his, his career, especially around the time of Force Awakens, and and yeah, and and if you don't have to wait. Let's not wait. You know, it, it, it's a little bit of a different uh, a different kind of Hollywood, too, with the ability to put a lot of content in a lot of different places. Uh, it would have been harder. It would have been possible, but it would have been harder for, in 1988, Harrison to go, hey, George, I got an idea. Uh, maybe Han goes on. <laughs> like, yeah. it, George could have, if he wanted to do it, he could have done it. But you know what I mean? Like, if Harrison had said it's solo a Star Wars story, but with me, uh, it, it just, it's a different it's a different system in a way now because of because of the streaming uh, wars in the content place and HBO Max needing it. And I don't say that from a cynical point of view either. It is business. It is money. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the the you, you, uh, iconography as, as you always say that the Game of Thrones has. Let's use it to get a new show going. Yeah, absolutely. This this works on on a business level, I'm sure, but on a creative level, uh, I'm. A, I think it works a little differently to having Kit on board and on board for years. Yeah, yeah, we're we're fighting a streaming war from their perspective. Like that's what we're doing. We are trying to kill the competition in certain yeah. ways. And George is not, as he says here, he's not um, interested in like fighting the Tolkien show. Yeah. But from that executive perspective, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. I have this conversation a lot with people when they say, um, "Why do I? Why do we get a hundred Mandalorian action figures?" but I can't get a Ben Solo action figure from Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And I've said, well, because the Mandalorian characters are behind a paywall. Yeah. And and the more that they can get that in the brain of the public, I think that there's definitely something to that uh, of, oh, you like this toy? Your son's buying this action figure? Well, for uh, $8, you can check out what that's from. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if we see something similar here with House of the Dragon, mm. Snow down the line, uh, 10,000 ships, whatever where they start to really like they're all HBO max. They're not HBO proper. And we're going to market the hell out of them. And maybe you will see less uh, original GOT going forward because that's the nature of where we are right now. Yeah. And it's a whole lot easier just to paint over Mando armor to sell figures. That is true. Uh, You know, why can't, yeah, we'll always, why can't I have dinosaur guy, but we get that random forlorn ripoff. That's why. Yeah. There's, you'll always have new clone troopers to buy because you just paint them over. Um, The other angle of this, this isn't necessarily uh, directly addressed, but uh, overall it is because George is like, yeah, not only am I aware, I've heard about it. They've talked to me. My team's been involved. That was one of the big questions we had last week of just the idea of taking the story forward and taking the Game of Thrones world story, not the Song of Ice and Fire world forward. Mm -hmm. It begged the question that we asked several times over last week of, well, where's George R. R. Martin in all of this? It's a story he hasn't even finished yet, and you're telling him to go forward. Uh, not that he couldn't think of both sides of the story at the same time, of course, but uh, that was the big question. And now to hear that, yeah, not only aware, mm-hmm. we've had meetings over chips and salsa in Santa Fe, which, by the way, I don't say that as a fact. I just have a vision of George and a bunch of writers and creatives and Kit sitting at a Mexican restaurant in Santa Fe having chips and salsa. That's how I take my meetings, Alden. So I got to assume that's how George does, too. But I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I think George is a is an appetizer sampler type guy. 
Um, cause I think that fits his personality of like, I want some of this. Nah, I want some of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that he definitely is that, that entity. Uh, yeah, it's super interesting. Cause it's like around that, that splinter point that people love to fixate on. Uh, he's not being as involved. It's like, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said, I think at one of the San Diego comic cons, like I consider it to be an alternate universe. That's great. Um, but it did seem like he was going to focus on the book one. He gave those ambiguous bullet point notes to Benioff and Weiss. Yeah. We'll never know what those are probably until some NDAs break. Um, yeah. So it just felt like that the Benioff and Weiss take was over outside of house of the dragon. Um, but now not so much. And you got to wonder if he, if maybe crafting winds of winter, and Dream of Spring made him feel more inspired to revisit. Maybe it was Kit's pitch, yeah. and maybe it, there, maybe there he's reverse engineering. Like if Kit says, "I think this," and then George can say, "Well, actually, mm. we can take that from what you said and that from what you said, but check out this from Wins a Winner." Yeah, like it, it, it's conversations that I am fascinated by. Yeah, and this is not spinning his words out of uh, control and, and out of context. This is no words yet. So maybe he'll write a blog post next. I was listening to Casterly talk and they said, no, mm-hmm. um, but no, I'm fascinated by uh, what could be a, a give and take creatively or, or just uh, um, sculpting and crafting the story going forward. And, and, and George being open to it, not in the sense that I think anything kit my pitch would change wins winner. And I, I'm not suggesting that, that you said that directly, but just like, yeah, he's our, like we've talked about before. Yeah, I, I hear uh, Aiden Gillen's voice when I write Baelish. I love the uh, portrayal of Shay, perhaps more than I even did in the books. They they took Rob mm-hmm. Stark, not a VO, uh, you know, a point of view character, uh, and turned it into something else. Like that stuff's on the record. And so, as much as we want to maybe have fun with uh, the, the tension that we think that might have been there between George and Dan and Dave, uh, it's never been directly stated. To be clear, even though we've even had those kind of speculative uh, conversations here. So all that to say, the fact that he is sitting down and and listening to Kit and I I, I like your idea. I would love I would love for him to read uh, write this on a blog of, yeah, I take pictures all the time about Game of Thrones. Kit came in and it worked for me in a way that I hadn't thought about or in the way that none of us had thought about going forward wasn't necessarily on the on the table. And he came in and and helped push us forward. That would be fascinating. Again, we don't know. We're speculating. he has such an instinct of like, I have to flush everything out uh, for better and for worse. Some people accuse that of being yeah. why he slows down on writing. We'll never really know. That's his business. I'm not going to yeah. presume that. But when you look at the way that he functions with expanding his mythology, he has an idea. And then it's like, oops, I wrote a textbook. Oops, I wrote a history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it goes to him. And again, this is complete, just a vision in my mind. If Kit said to him, yeah, and then I was thinking Jon Snow would find... Uh, a group of giants, then, you know, George will jump in and say, actually, yeah. uh, you know, one, one was the last giant and this, this, and this. Once you say something that makes George go, well, actually about his own world, it's slippery slope. Yes. Uh, you know, whatever that is, whatever Kit said that made his mind race, we know how this man works. He's going to want to uh, like that. The, the creators don't stop. They don't stop creating it. That's why I love stories like, uh, George Lucas being on the Mandalorian set and naming Axe Woves. He yeah. just randomly named a Mandalorian because yeah. it just came to him. And like, why wouldn't you? Or George during the pre-Disney days, sending a memo to the company saying no more Wookiee Jedi. Yeah. And then it's like things like that. That's like, you're not actively yeah. creating anymore, but you still are. You still are. Yeah, you still are. 
That's great. No, wonderful stuff. Um, final thoughts on it here. We don't want to discuss some other things before we get out of today. And this is this is the fun, big stuff here. Um, this now goes, we talked last week of, of, of what would affect Jon Snow north of the wall. What would plot, what, what, what as fans do we dream of? What do we think of? We don't want to create false expectations that we want to be, that we're over, uh, you know, um, just are beholden to. Um, I still love this idea we were talking last week, Alton, of just like, you know, the Drogon's located and there's one person in this world to go mm-hmm. uh, find Drogon and see what happened and see what he did with uh, Daenerys. Um, there's something intriguing to me that that might be where the story, uh, in my mind, uh, where I'd want it to go. Again, it's what I want. It's not sure what the story will do. Um, and then to hear him like, yeah, yeah, I, I told her, I told Amelia, they, you know, to have her kind of confirm that. That doesn't, I'm not suggesting at all that confirms, because again, she, she denied it, and you have to go ahead and take her words at face value, just like we took uh, Liam Neeson's words that he was never going to appear <laughs> on a Star Wars TV show, uh, despite <laughs> being in Clone Wars before, and Rebels, right? They, yeah, Rebels, definitely Clone Wars, I can't remember, no. Not Clone Wars, Rebels. yeah, yeah not, not Rebels. Rebels. Well, unless it was, arch- I think he's like archival Ar- audio yeah. in Rebels, uh, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so I, as I take her laughing denial as the truth until it's not. Um, but hey, you know, it just got my mind spinning of him texting her at some point going, Hey, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Yeah. And, oh yeah. And, and there's uh, some more to tell. There's a group chat called potential dream sequences, question mark. Him, her, Richard Madden, let's like, get them all in there. Uh, uh, him and Richard just having worked together on Eternals. Yeah. It's like, is he, you know, not, I'm not saying Rob Stark will be involved, but it's the kind of thing of this guy, again, Jon Snow, like I said, in our last conversation, he's, unlike a lot of the heroes in the song of ice and fire, because he's mythically tied to the world Yeah, where a lot of these guys are just men. John is also, has been resurrected. He's like Beric Dondarrion, uh, Beric Dondarrion, John Daenerys. There's that group of people that have a foot into the magic of it too. Yeah. Um, even though he's not like an active magic user, it's still an interesting thing where this is his second life. So mm. how much of the the lingering shadow of the first life is going to be hanging over it? Love that. That Maybe that's the second working title, The Lingering Shadow of Snow. I don't know. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Alden, final thoughts on this big uh, follow-up to last week's story. Thanks again to George R. R. Martin for blogging. He's become the number one source for Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon uh, spinoff news, just like Jon Favreau's Instagram was the number one source for Mandalorian <laughs> stories at one point, and Ron Howard's for Solo. Final thoughts, Alden? Yeah, uh, my final thought is that I wouldn't have it any other way than that. I'm so happy that he got out in front of it less than seven days later, um, or maybe exactly seven days later. It was just, uh, I I can't imagine the joy, you know, going on inside of that team because it does come from um, this guy that he's known since he was a kid. Like, Kit was in his early 20s. um, And so it's a different different time, Kit being older and... uh, uh, more of an established pro. Uh, I'm excited for everybody involved. This has shot to the top of my most anticipated. And it's like, I feel like sometimes I feel like, am I the fan that people talk about where it's like, we just gave you something you knew and you, and you ate it up. And it's like, Oh, you know what? Yeah. I own that. Uh, I'm I'm excited for 10,000 shows. I'm excited for, uh, uh, I'm excited for all that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. This is it though. But yeah, yeah, it is as they, as my final thought too is that as looking at it as, uh, as they expand HBO, 
expands this world because, again, as we, I keep saying here, why not? You look around the landscape and go, we've got something pretty powerful Let with, with rich lore and its own world and history. Let's expand. So it's great. And we got a lot of going in the past. We got a lot of new things. We got a lot of different worlds we've explored. Uh, so as we say in Force Center, that Star Wars buffet, why not have in the corner the classic chicken wings you all love snow let's play around with this world while we also explore things we've never really uh, explored before in this world i think you can dare i suggest alden have it all what's one classic chicken wing against a kingdom everything my point exactly. Everything. Uh, we are going to discuss a little bit of Rings of Power news. We will be covering that show here, of course, on Casually Talk. Before we do that, though, we're going to have a little fun call. We're going to send the Ravens. This is a message from our good friend, Eric Monroe. Hey, Kenny Casually Talk. So, new House of the Dragon official merchandise is out on the HBO shop. You know, merchandise, a very big part of Game of Thrones. You know, I love all the shirts. You know, I own a lot. My favorite, of course, being the Stannis Baratheon Flaming Heart shirt, to be perfectly honest. I own two of them just in case something happens to my main one. I got the backup so I don't have to freak out. So I took a look, and there's a lot of good ones. So my question is, which have caught your eye? Well, that's a big question and a great one from Eric Monroe. And, you know, as a fellow Stannis Baratheon fan, I respect Eric having two of those Flaming Heart Stana shirts. I only have one, and Alden, it's starting to fade, and I just don't know what I'm going to do. I have to track one down. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, there we I, go. Sorry. I, was, we I, were doing some mute dance there. Mute dance. I, I cut off your mic because I just didn't want you to talk bad about my Stana shirt. <laughs> no, that's what it was. You didn't want to hear my... Uh, Immediate takes about, see, I, I struggle though, because like, am I a Stannis, uh, uh, diehard? No, but I am a Melisandre diehard. Yeah. Um, so it's That's like, fair. I just, I, I'm on that team anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's interesting. Um, because mm-hmm. we're almost in that era where that stuff is becoming old, especially yeah. those, those earlier season characters. Like I have a Rob Stark Funko pop and I'm like, can we update him please? <laughs> I mean- can we get a new mold? <laughs> Look, I have I have Game of Thrones T-shirts that are now ten years old. Like you know, oh, that's and uh, yeah, it's it's a weird thing. All right, so the, Tarek's question: I did bring up the official shop, which is interesting to note that it's now the official WB shop, not just the HBO shop. Um, and look, uh, there's some great Funko Pops, a lot of good stuff, a lot of shirts. We got the the new poster on a shirt. Uh, we got the dreams that make us kings. Dragons did catchphrase on almost everything. And there's a lot to look at. Uh, Alden, where does your eye go to? Merch is important. You got to represent this to the world. Uh, are you ready to represent House of the Dragon to the world? I am, you know, and I, I told you off air when we were kind of looking at some of these that I don't like to be like logos guy. Yeah. Uh, I say, well, I have a logo on my beanie, but beanies, <laughs> beanies are a little bit different. I'm not a logo uh, guy. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I, I like stuff that, is more just like either an iconography thing from the show, like a symbol, like yeah. um, like a simple black T-shirt with a hand of the king, the pin on it. Yes, love that type of stuff. So I, I love this um, black shirt that's called the Dragon Crest. Uh, it's like that silver where mm-hmm. you can see the three rubies in there. I'm not sure if that's a specific family member's crest or if it's uh, maybe the maybe that's the Viserys era Kingsguard. Yeah. Not quite sure, but I'm sure we'll see in the show. So I like that a lot. And then the other thing, this is not House of the Dragon, but I just love the simple black baseball cap that says not today. 
Yeah, that was almost an add to cart. I need to get myself a Game of Thrones beanie here because I, I wear the old bald man beanie now most of the time. So, yeah, I got to do that. And I'm with you. My, my taste in merch has changed over the years, both in Star Wars and Game of Thrones. I have a lot of my Game of Thrones shirts still simply because I was on a lot of shows where, you know, you, you, the requirement was wear a shirt and put 59 toys on the table. Uh, which was always fun, but it's something I don't really do anymore. So I, I haven't bought any new Game of Thrones merch in a while. My Star Wars merch is now what I describe as muted. It, it's even things like you have on now. You have Nathan Hamill's Drogs shirt on. Uh, so mm -hmm. my, I have the same shirt and same pins and everything. It's just kind of unique. It's it's creative and a different kind of, um, you know, expressing the love of Star Wars in a, in a different way, I should say. So I'm, I'm at that spot in, spot in Game of Thrones. So I have to, this was weird. This was a great question from Eric because mm -hmm. there would be a time where I'd be like, what do I add to cart? And I'm looking at this. I'm like, I don't know. One of the things I want to wait for is the show itself to, to show up and the characters and the plots and the themes that I, to emerge that I will love. Um, not that I don't want to just go in and say, hey, I'm supporting the show from the start or I want to wait to see if it's good or not. But you know what I mean? Where you said not today. That's something that, yeah, maybe if you had been completely steeped in the books before the show came out, you would have been ready for that. But as a show first viewer, as I was back mm -hmm. then, that not today is uh, that that got me, you know, that that moved me. They pulled me in and that emerged as something later in the show that I connected with. So I want to wait for the show to hit drop land on the shores and then I'll find out what's in it that I love that I now want to represent to the public. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's about finding um, the corners of the actual product that you're watching and saying, Oh, this is what I latch onto this. Like I always liked Brienne, but I didn't pick up a piece of Brienne merchandise until she was knighted uh, in, in those final episodes, because that, that was the moment where I was like, oh, it's complete. And I love her more than I've ever loved her now. So I got that shirt that says Sir Brienne of Tarth, Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. Right. Um, you know, just to celebrate that scene. Uh, so I will see what I, we latch on to there. I mean, it's it's like buying action figures for any franchise. It's like buying anything. Uh, there's going to be characters where, like, I, I, there's going to be inevitably a character that frustrates the hell out of me. I'm not going to buy their merch, uh, instead, but even if they're supposed to frustrate the hell out of me. Yeah. So, and I'm sure they will. Yeah. But yeah. somebody like uh, Damon, who I've been so excited for, somebody like, um, you know, the Sea Snake, someone like Otto, yeah. those are all these seasoned guys that I think are going to be super compelling in the same way that, Ned and Robert were, and so we'll see. But we'll see. I, I can yeah. be surprised, and my yeah. favorite character could be somebody that I uh, haven't invested in yeah. at all so yeah. far. So wait for the story to pull you in. But it was a great question by Eric because, yep, it's another great run of merch uh, rolling out in front of us, and that is uh, be a part of the fun around here. Before we get out of here, we're gonna have a quick talk about Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power. Of course. That show will debut, well, we could have two weeks after House of the Dragon, and we'll be talking about it here. Uh, this is um, this is interesting stuff, man. We got, I'm going to run through some pictures here if you're watching on YouTube, but if you're listening on the podcast, still my uh, preferred form of communication, all that. We got new orcs. We got orcs. We got a lot of gruesome-looking, realistic-looking orcs. These will be, of course, the ones featured in the show. And there's uh, some great articles out there, including one uh, from Variety, that talked to uh, Lindsay Weber and uh, who was the other name? I've just scrolled past it. Uh, it is, uh, help me all. Jamie, the, Jamie. 
I had it too. Like you said, off air, bold the names. Uh, Jamie Wilson. Jamie Wilson. Wilson. There, yeah, I only saw Wilson added. I'm like, yeah, give me the first name. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a note to Ken. Make no, no make no, more notes before the show. Don't just. I found this article about two minutes before I press record with us all, uh, and some great stuff in there. But there were some things I was reading here. We'll, we'll talk about. Uh, these, uh, for lack of a better term, being more practical orcs because uh, during the Hobbit trilogy, infamously Alden, uh, you know, Peter Jackson was uh, having a lot of fun with technology and um, a lot of the orcs uh, were uh, more than meets the eye, so to speak. And that never sat well with a lot of folks. And it was not my favorite aspect of the Hobbit films, though I've come to appreciate that trilogy a little bit more than I did at the time that they were out, to be clear. But this is the first big thing here in this show, this show that is in that world, but not in that world, legally can't cover some of the things that fun kind of, uh, uh, like fun kind of rights and estate uh, issues surrounding anything with Lord of the Rings. Um, But this, I'll just say, I loved what I saw here. I love the look. I love going back to, uh, and it's always dangerous to say going back to, but using a little bit more, or at least leading first with practical orcs here. So general thoughts as we dive into this a little bit more. Yeah, all I hear is the Force Awakens sizzle reel in my mind. <laughs> Real sets, practical yeah. effects. And, and like that became sort of a meme, but I admire the spirit. And to be clear, I love Peter Jackson. I love what he was trying yeah. to do. I saw The Hobbit, mm. Unexpected Journey. In an IMAX theater in 3D in 48 frames per second. I went the whole nine because I wanted to support that experiment. Yeah. I got a headache um, and it was very unpleasant for the eye, but you can't know that until you try. Yeah. Uh, so I, I respected the spirit. And also on a real world level, I would like to just, as as Peter Jackson's lawyer, I would like to say that uh, he, <laughs> he gets more heat for that than he should because yeah. there was also the real world element of I have to, I have to work quick to undo some of Guillermo del Toro's works, mm-hmm. which we know that like you can see the, uh, the bulge, the original bulge that Guillermo had with like some red, like mm-hmm. hair and it's del Toro. Like it was yeah. way more fantastical and weird. Yeah. Peter comes in and then it's like, uh, 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 uh fix them computer. Yeah. Like, so I understand yeah. that too. Now this with an amount of time, uh, to, to, to create legally, protected orcs that are different enough. Um, I think that these look great. They could easily blend into anyone's experience with either of the Jackson trilogies. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to see this make, I think we're in a makeup resurgence right now. I just yeah. shared um, on Twitter, somebody uh, named Barry Howie who did the makeup for Stranger Things, the Green mm. Knight and, and all these other projects. Mm. We're in a generation that is really, really embracing that now. Yeah. Um, it's a lost art form. And I'm glad that it's it's still going. Yeah, Wilson uh, does say we just we did decide from the outset that we would try to make this a very real show. So therefore, we try to use real prosthetics and everything and minimize the visual effects because there are hundreds of productions that are heavy on visual effects, and you can see it. And that the human eye is getting better and better, and knows what is real and knows what isn't, because we're just so getting uh, deloused with all these this, uh, these product this product uh, that you begin to know. Sorry, I stumbled mm. over some of that there. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you, yeah, I'm laughing too when you mentioned the Force Awakens thing. Of uh, It was a little bit of, hey, for those who had a little issue with some of the prequel stuff in terms of how it looked, don't worry, it's all real here, which was, uh, you know, it was not a lie. 
True enough. True From enough. a certain point of view. Uh, <laughs> a point of view where Fatimetis had more practical stuff than anyone would have imagined. Uh, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. And again, it even goes to our conversation about marketing House of the Dragon in a post-Game of Thrones mm-hmm. world. How much do you want to go? It's that thing you mm-hmm. love, but it is different. Uh, I understand it. and But I love what they're doing here. I love what they're saying about uh, all the practical nature of it. It makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that if you're going to you know, prequelize this as much as you can from a legal standpoint, uh, getting closer and closer, um, is, is interesting. I mean, the Hobbit is only 60 years prior to fellowship. So there's not going to be that big of a departure. Um, these look like there is an evolution that has happened. I think that Peter's orcs in fellowship and, and, and the, the subsequent films, um, are maybe a little bit more monstrous, but it yeah. was also a darker time of yeah. of resurgence. Like that fit the themes of like really bastardizing them and what Saruman was doing and the, and yeah. the crossbreeding of the Urukai and all that stuff. So yeah. this to me fits a fantastical nature. Like I'm excited to see this, this new young Galadriel fighting these guys on a, on a very simple level. Yeah. And one of the things this is Lindsay Weber saying um, uh, that uh, this is uh uh, the, the design, uh, everyone who designs them, they have a real passion for them. They love practical prosthetics and design, and they felt that they needed exploration given that this is the second age and thousands of mm-hmm. year, years before the events of the third age. It was really important to treat them as their own culture and explore their world on its own two legs in its own right. The follow-up mm-hmm. that, going back to that article and other articles, I was reading from an article on another website, but this, the end of the Variety one, uh, Weber says, um, uh, the Rings of Power is uh, one of the big revelations that the Rings of Power will get uh, viewers will get to see female orcs for the first time, saying there's some female orcs that I truly love. Not surprising, Alden. A lot of people out there on the old internet uh, did not like that. There's a lot of Game of Thrones, well, Game of Thrones, but also a lot of Lord of Rings fans who want to hide behind uh, old traditions or what was or what Tolkien said and did and all those kinds of things and quite frankly just don't want to move forward in this idea of Exploring the orcs culture, which doesn't necessarily mean we're going to, I don't know, it's not like an orc origin story of they were all just nice and misunderstood. But you saw this in Star Wars and the power of it with the Tusken Raiders and turning Mm -hmm. it into the Tuscans of the Dune Sea, getting more into the culture and treating it a little different, which only helps expand the story. And then you add this idea, the simple concept of female orcs and people already up in arms wanting to fight it. And Amazon is already having to deal with that and... uh, um, it's 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 predictable, and 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 I think we're unfortunately used to it, but doesn't mean we don't want to address it or or not fight it over here. Yeah, interesting how real life orcs seem to have a lot of thoughts uh, on fictional orcs. Um, the, <laughs> yes. there, there's a lot a lot of parallels there in how the orcs used to be uh, normal elves, um, mm-hmm. as Saruman explains yep. in I believe in Two Towers. And then they were twisted and turned into what they are, into ravenous packs uh, of creatures that go after things mindlessly. I think Mm -hmm. that there's something to dig into there, too. Uh, And (laughs) as to, you know, and as to the Mm -hmm. Tolkien of it all, like, lest we forget that Tolkien was boots on the ground in the fight against fascism uh, and and was there and, and took those experiences into his story. Um, And it's a story about small folk and about togetherness and about, um, especially as, as Peter Jackson, Philippa Bowens and Fran Walsh's screenplays um, fleshed out Gimli and Legolas, they emphasize like race relations and things like that. And, and how 
how Elrond, like when they're trying to look for allies, Elrond's like, who will you turn to? The dwarves? Like there's, there's prejudice hanging all over some of these relationships and the story refutes those things. And so as we always talk about, like if you're going to um, really stand for these things and really understand them, then you have to in good faith, understand them. Like you can't approach this and not acknowledge what it is. You can't approach X-Men without the LGBTQ metaphor uh, the civil rights metaphor. Um, yeah. Star Wars is very blatant and obvious. Star Trek is the most blatant and obvious. So it's at that point, and I said to you off air, when we were talking about the story, like a lot of people with misogyny, and that's what it is, you know, a hatred of women and wanting to gatekeep them out of the spaces. They don't even do that consistently. Like they say like, oh, we just don't want forced diversity, but that's a dog whistle. It's not a real thing. Yep. And it has no criteria because if we ex- if we really unpack what they're saying, you don't want women to be warriors. Well, how about monsters? No, not that either. Well, how about fair maidens? No, not that either. There's too many fair maidens. Yeah. It's always going to be a moving goalpost and yep. it's lame and they claim to be the experts, um, but it makes their, their argument holds no ground. If they, if, because even if you look, they claim to be defenders of the mythology, right? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're pure. It's we're pure sh- fans. It's, it, it's, it's a, it's a shield to hide behind. Yeah. Actually, respect the lore. Yeah. Okay. I'll, let, let's respect the lore. If the elves were turned, where does it say that only the male elves returned? Yeah. That is just a bankrupt idea, a bankrupt stance. No, well, well said. And, and I'm happy to address it here on the show. And I, I think on, on the day we're recording in uh, America with the Supreme Court's decision, it's, it's important to have these kind of discussions. It's something I don't want to run away here at Castle Talk and set the boundaries early on our discussions of rings of power of mm-hmm. uh, for anyone uh, wanting to join our community. I, I'm excited to see what Rings of Power does just in terms of its uh, its optics and how it looks and what it's going to explore and also what it's just going to not explore but just say, here it is. Uh, I, I Just because uh, for me, this is my point of view and my words, but if you know, if, if, if there's a, a, a black elf, how dare they? I don't even need that explored. I just need that to be. Let's start there. If it, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, it, that is that is what it is. Uh, I don't need to justify it. I don't need it worked. It's ju- it just is. It, it goes back to the the Force Awakens um, before the movie comes out. The idea the people hiding behind the mythology, hiding behind the lore, saying a black man can't be a stormtrooper. We absolutely just it, it's not it's not done in this. World. I'm not a racist. It's not done in this world. That is that is a, a, a shield you're trying to hide behind here, and you're seeing it more and more and more with the Rings of Power because the Rings of Power is making an effort there's some great stuff in the Tolkien uh, text as we know there's some great stuff of stuff you were saying and he was in World War One, and that affected him greatly but we know you look at the the just look at uh, the Fellowship of the Rings eh, you know it's kind of it's one shade of paint you mm-hmm. know uh, in the yeah. cast um, and for for this show to have the the audacity to try to make it look a little different and look, make it look a little bit more like our own world. I, I will stand behind that every day of the week. And the fact that uh, I was talking with a friend of mine who's kind of dealing with this stuff right now and tracking this uh, this conversation, uh, man, it is so sadly predictable that this would be a talking point. The simple idea. You haven't even seen the story. They're exploring this culture. You don't even know what that means. You're just mm-hmm. hearing the simple words. Oh, and there's some female orcs, and now you're up in arms. Uh, we reject that in full here, Casterly Talk. Yeah, absolutely rejected emphatically. There's no place for it. It's not a matter of debate because, again, the, the forced diversity thing doesn't exist. I've experienced this coming up in 
coming up in the age that I came up in, every fandom that I've ever had, um, you know, we're on the verge of of seeing Jane Foster Thor when that storyline came out. Like, ridiculous, how could she be Thor? It's like, well, uh, how, how could you not have reading comprehension? Mm-hmm. She's, check out the story, like engage with it in good faith. No one's forcing you to like anything. But, you know, it, I also think that because Lord of the Rings, um, I think if you asked most people in the world, what do you think of when you think of Lord of the Rings? They would say the Jackson trilogy Correct. that's held on such a pedestal as it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, Academy Award winning prestige drama broke so much ground that the the memory of the development of that has been sort of lost to time, which is sort of ironic because that's what Galadriel talks about as it opens some things that have been forgotten and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone was posting, I think it was wondering.net was posting um, a lot of message board screenshots and stuff from the development of those films and how word got out that they added Arwen to the battle of Helm's deep, which as we know was eventually cut, mm-hmm. but we know those scenes exist. You can see photos of them and seeing just the horrible misogynistic backlash that was happening then against Liv Tyler. Yeah. Um, and then those scenes get cut and I'm not saying they capitulated to those fans, just coincidence, yeah. but it's like we, because Lord of the Rings has always been considered like cordial and in depth and, and we're the nicest fandom. Like, uh, it hasn't had a, a microscope put to it. And then it's like, we, we turned on the black light and we saw all the the gunk yeah. and it's like, Oh, Oh, it's been a problem. Yeah. Uh, and so everybody's having their reckoning. Everybody's mm-hmm. having their, I mean, you have a certain news company a couple weeks ago that runs a piece on television, on television uh, in prime time that says star Trek goes woke. Yeah. Star Trek went woke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, at, so this fight has been going on. At, uh, at, at best, media literacy is dead. <laughs> at worst, at best, it, it's it's at worst, it's just a a horrible battlefront uh, uh, that society's uh, we got to deal with now. And yeah, that's that's kind of where we at. I, I just yeah, I did want to hit it a little. Uh, not even hit it hard. I just want to address it. I just want to address it. Mm-hmm. Talk about it, especially as we go forward. I'm excited to see what this show does. And does that is it? Does this get, guarantee an automatic win for the show in my heart if I don't like what they did? I think no, of course not. But that's something else that people might hide behind as well. Uh, we don't do that here. We're we're gonna. I just have legitimate criticisms. I just like have legitimate. Cri- no, I don't. We can tell. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like the character of Rose Tico, but that's not nice things to say about it. At that point, what you what you think of Rose Tico does not matter. What is happening to Kelly Marie Tran? matters you know that that's the mm-hmm. conversations we're gonna have here but you know here's the thing Elden, it's not big business so there's going to be less yeah. people watching us versus the other shows who are going to lead with how dare they add female orcs to this world uh that is what will get the money and that's just unfortunately the way it is but uh we'll we'll discuss the shows as we want yeah yeah we could end up doing we'll accidentally do two more hours on 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 why it's not big business to, to to explore these ideas, but yeah, we're uh, we're yeah. gonna do our best, and I'm I, yeah. I'm excited for again, like like earlier today, I had a great conversation about Riva. You mentioned Rose, like yeah. I'm excited for kids that love Frodo or Sam or Arwen, Aowen, to now have their Black Panther moment, to have their Shang Chi moment. Um, uh, Star Trek, uh, I mentioned Strange New Worlds earlier, like there was a, a, a fantastic new character played by a trans actress uh, so it's like at that point um, we have to revel in the victory too, 
yeah. uh, and just sort of be excited. You know, it's like I'm all I feel like I'm Bruce Banner. I'm always angry, but also uh, sometimes I will go look. Like I, I think reaction content is not for me. I will yeah, say, yeah, um, but same, I will. Uh, sometimes I will purposefully seek out the ones of the groups being represented as a as a tonic. Yeah, uh, to no, I help. get you. No, I, I get you. I get you. One of the lines that uh, has absolutely inspired me, I'm going to be doing something on, on Force Center about it soon, is the exchange between little Leia and uh, her adopted father, her father, Bail Organa, when she says, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make some changes. And he says to her as he smiles, um, uh, then we'll make changes together. That's generational change. That's uh, finding your place in change. It's all the things that's, uh, that's uh, important to me. So uh, uh, we are absolutely excited to uh, make these changes together with the creators and the storytellers uh, between all these, uh, in all these shows. And for those who would fight it, you've already lost. It's here. Uh, so mm-hmm. what can you do? But what can you do is uh, celebrate these things, talk about it, dive in, and look at the news and have fun daydreaming about Kit George R. Martin and Chips and Salsa Alden. We've done it. We've done it. We've come to the end of the show. Yeah, I think we just, we covered the gamut of the human experience here. Uh, <laughs> hunger, uh, <laughs> societal relations. Yeah. Uh, we got it all. Business. I, I, I just have to, I have to say on air and apologize. Uh, <laughs> Ken, yeah. Ken Navzog, uh, yeah, tells me, oh yeah, Alden, let's go about 40 minutes. I fail every time. Ah. I fail every time too. It's it's me. It's me. It's me. All right, uh, we are out of here. Alden, tell them where they can find you and all your wonderful work. You do a lot of great things over in the Star Wars world uh, mm-hmm. and other things. Where can they find you and follow you? Yeah, you can find me personally uh, at that Alden Diaz Twitter and Instagram T H A T A L D E N D I A Z. Not the other Alden Diaz. That Alden Diaz. And then you can find Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, uh, and our sister shows as well, all in one feed. And that's A-H-C-H-T-O Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the episode descriptions for those going forward are going to have links um, in regards to everything that happened with SCOTUS um, and the reversal of Roe. I'm pulling resources. If you go to the Octo Radio Instagram, uh, we shared um, from Forward Midwifery, um, a company about midwifery and, and reproductive rights, uh, a whole list of things, um, different needs, and then links for those needs. Uh, so you could check that out. Right. Um, there's other links too for things that, that we promote and stuff. So, uh, you know, we've had conversations off air. Like it, it's hard to sort of be like in the fantasy mood. Like I got literally got into a, a major argument about SCOTUS with a family member and everything that like was a shouting match right before talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi today. Uh, so it's hard to separate those parts of your brain, but don't feel guilty for having fun and needing escapism. It, it is all, it is all important. It's all part of the journey as well. Thank you for uh, highlighting those uh, links. Go to Alden for more uh, for us here. Uh, you can follow uh, the shows uh, at M drive media, Morty drive media uh, uh, is where I put this on. So I don't have an actual casterly talk page. Maybe that'll change. We do have, we do have one on Facebook, but you just, just use the hashtag casterly talk. If you want to join the conversation, we are on anchor. If you want to get a call into the show, you can do that via the anchor uh, device. That's where we're, our podcast is uh, uh, ho- homed, housed, uh, I should say. And uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, KenNapsock.com. Everyone, we got to uh, take care of each other, take care of ourselves, and find a way to fight and look towards the future. And part of that 
It's talking about pop culture that is tremendously, tremendously powerful and insightful and discusses uh, in its stories and deals with the, uh, the, the battles and the human condition that we are uh, experiencing now and have always experienced and always will. So we'll look towards the light side to borrow uh, an idea from another franchise. We'll see you next time here on Casterly Talk. 